Playback TV this Friday, I will be live streaming the Knicks against the Suns. Should be a very highly anticipated matchup. A lot of star power of both teams, including for the Knicks, Jalen Brunson, Julius Randle, and then for the Suns, Kevin Durant, Devin Booker, and possibly Bradley Beal. So make sure to tune in with me. I will be covering the game from start to finish. We'll be, we will be talking about the game itself alongside various topics, including basketball. So make sure to tune in. But without further ado, let's get into the episode. another edition of for the love of the game this is your one and only nick andre i'm glad to have you guys tuned in with me joined by a very very special guest he's been on here before you know he's this guy's like family to me at this point man i got my guy quinn how you doing man you look you look bundled up over there man look what's oh, what's yeah, the temperature man. outside dog it's, it's gonna be a little a little bit chilly for me bro i lived in ohio for a while but that's also why i came back i wasn't ready for it bro yeah i just had came back inside but i am a little bit cozy in here <laughs> nah, I feel that. I feel that, bro. I'm I'm in North Florida myself. It's like it's like in the 40s down here, and I know it's probably oh word. Yeah, yeah. I'm just saying. I tell people all the time, especially like North Florida, like it gets cold. Yeah, and, and it's crazy because I was checking the weather um, earlier this morning. Today was like a high of like 55 or something like that. Right. And then watch this weekend, or actually, I'll be real. It's been cold just about all week, and then this weekend is gonna get like 75, 80 degrees. Like it's crazy. Then next week is just gonna get cold again like it's it's we got like probably the most bipolar weather in the winter time like all time it's crazy man it's crazy because I was, I was thinking about sliding to jacksonville at least the visit or something like that but i guess i'll wait well ja- jacksonville might be warm i mean that's more like i mean it's still kind of up north but like not like on the border so you might uh, you might okay, be good yeah, yeah you yeah. might still be good but sure might be. but now nah, i mean but I, I tell you all the time man like it's it gets cold out here and I'll be real, even when I first moved down here, I didn't believe it, but nah, I definitely gotta, gotta acknowledge that it can get to them cold temperatures, bro. But besides that, you doing all right, man? Yeah, man. How you been doing, though, for real? I'm good, man. Working a lot. <laughs> you see me, man. I'm doing just about a little bit of everything, man. Yeah, you been grinding, though, for real, right? Definitely. I got to, man. You been doing with the pod, I got, no, nah, I appreciate that, man. Gotta stay consistent, man. Definitely gotta stay consistent, bro, for sure. But now let's go ahead and dive on into it, man. You know, we're going to go in a different direction than what I expected, but the news just came out. The NBA just announced that Draymond Green is suspended indefinitely. For those who have been living under a rock, the Warriors played against the Phoenix Suns last night in Phoenix. I believe it was during the third quarter. Uh, Draymond Green and Yusuf Nurkic kind of got tangled up. Um, It looked to me as if Draymond was just trying to pull himself off of Nurkic. And then next you know, Draymond does a 360 spin. Then basically just slaps him. It almost looks inadvertent, but you know, given that Draymond has a history of doing these type of things, we all know what took place back in 2016 when they played OKC in the conference finals, but he did Stephen Adams. And then even just a month ago with Rudy Gobert against the Minnesota yeah. Timberwolves. So what are your thoughts on what what are your thoughts on Draymond getting suspended indefinitely? Do you think the NBA did it right? And how do you think it will affect the Warriors moving forward? You know, I feel like the thing with Draymond is they just Probably didn't know how many games to give him because I feel like I was the thing with Jai. Like, I, there must be something in the CBA, you know, that that you know gives you guidelines on on how many games to prescribe for these situations. But I don't know, maybe not. But when it comes to Draymond, I feel like because he is such a repeat offender, even if you know, even if it did say to spend like 10, 15 games, like Dre, 
you do this so much you do need to sit out a little bit bro you know exactly and it's crazy because he was just i mean i guess you know it's a bit different because last year he was talking about needing to uh earn back the respect of the team that he had laid out a pool but you know so this ain't like a, a teammate so it's a bit different but it's still like last year we went through this whole little thing about you you know calming down and playing you know i ain't gonna say not playing passionate but playing with some with some sense <laughs> but like, it's like you just did this all over again so i feel like you also probably lost the trust of the young guys a little bit too though you know what i mean like maybe not but at the same time the, the young guys i know the young guys in his locker room like you know we might talk about them as friends but his teammates love him you know what i mean so it's like dang they like dang og again you know what i mean so it does kind of suck to see it in that way but i feel like the the, the warriors will be okay uh only because uh the the young depth that they they managed to uh acquire through the draft does seem to be doing pretty well as of late um uh, like i said moody uh Pazimski, uh i like him a lot um kaminga's been playing better you know his defense still still is behind the curve a little bit but he's he's been way more efficient this year or maybe way more consistent i should say anyway thanks and so um and i like uh tjd uh tracy jackson davis he hasn't really gotten a chance mm-hmm. much, but I loved him when he was in college, and I feel like he could really like do something. He was nice in college. I ain't gonna lie. Nice, and then his uh, last year, he really you know evolved his game, uh, especially because you know they had Mike Woodson come over there, and I feel like he really helped the program like imp- implement some real you know NBA level stuff. Uh, so that's what I also feel like TJD. You know, he might be an older prospect, so he's not gonna be as popular. But I feel like that's also something that gives you the experience you need to to be a spot starter. Or, you know, just just make sure you can step up at the right time because you mature. You're 21, 22. So, yeah. This whole Draymond situation is just another unfortunate situation for the Golden State Warriors. Um, and, you know, I, I, I'll, I'll agree with you on this. I definitely agree as far as I still think that the young guys do have his respect because I'll be real. I mean, you know, when you look at the resume, Draymond Green, four-time champion, you know, he understands right. what it takes to win a title. And on top of that, Draymond is highly intelligent. So he knows the game in many perspectives that others don't. So, of course, you're going to listen to a guy like Draymond. And I think that's a good thing, too, because the NBA also stated that Draymond will still be practicing with the team. So it's almost it's almost kind of like what's going on with Ja Morant right now in Memphis. Like, Ja was suspended, but Ja's still technically with the team, still practicing and just, right. still being able to go on road trips and stuff. So it's almost like he's – it's like it's like he is suspended because he's not able to play games, but he's still going to be proactive with the team. But it's just oh my god, yo! Also, we just hit a also we just hit a full court, <laughs> just hit a full court heave. It was crazy. But now back back to the topic. Um, it just sucks, man. You know, I think you know with Draymond Green being in year twelve, I believe. You know, you expect you you would expect better out of out of, out of a veteran. You know, right. especially of his caliber, and it's it's crazy because you know it's like I said earlier, like you know a lot of these plays they look inadvertent, but it's like Draymond has a history of doing things like this and. I don't know if he thinks that he could try to get away with it, but it's like, you know, given given what you like all all of the things that you have done, whether it's like I say, you know, the Steven Adams incident, the Rudy Gobert incident. I can even go back to last year in the playoffs when they when they faced the Kings and then he um then he stepped on Demonis Abonis. A lot of people could say that was inadvertent, but hey, you know, you have a history, so guess what? We gotta suspend you for game three. Yeah, so I just think that Draymond has to be smarter in these situations, but you know, overall, I mean, for the Warriors, it's it's just a bad situation. I I would just be real. You know, I think that I think this offseason the Warriors are going to make some drastic changes. I'm not going to tell you who's out. I'm not going to tell you who's coming in. But right. 
I must say, and I, I even said this last year whenever they lost to the Lakers in, um, in the second round, I was like, the dynasty as we know it is no more. And mm-hmm. I'm not I'm not saying that that they still can't contend in the playoffs in the Western Conference. I still think that they are capable, especially if you, especially when you have a guy like Steph Curry who's still playing at a very, very high level. But right. this isn't 2015 anymore. This isn't 2016 anymore. So this is a whole different league now, a whole different Western Conference. And you have a bunch of young teams on the rise. Like, you know, you see what OKC is doing right now. They're one of the top seeds in the West. Right. We, see, we see Minnesota and what they're doing. Sacramento, the same thing. So this is an entire different league now than what it was seven, eight years ago. And I get it. You want to keep you want to keep your core guys together, your core three guys together, Steph, Draymond, and Clay Thompson. But the question is, you know, where is that going to get you moving forward? Not like I said, not saying that, that these guys can't contend in the Western Conference, but I, I definitely think that they're capable of. But who is actually? I'll be real. You know, who is actually picking the Warriors right now to win the title this year? Who is picking them as favorites? That's and true. I'm a and I and I'm a and I'll be real. I'm a Warriors fan. You know what I'm saying? But I would just keep it real. Like you know, I don't have them being a favorites over a lot of like not even just in the west but in the, in the league as a whole so you know i think you know this whole Draymond this whole Draymond incident against phoenix is another indication that there's going to be a lot of drastic changes happening uh mike dunleavy he's still new in the front office so this is going to be a big test for him moving forward to see you know who's who's going to be gone who's coming in because it's a combination with the Draymond thing then clay's looking for for an extension and even, you know, he's had his moments, but I still don't think that he's deserving of that extension. But all I got to say is, man, there's going to be some big changes happening after this season for Golden State. Yeah, man. And uh, I would say for me, as far as Golden State, like the Draymond thing is one thing, but I just feel like uh, even though everybody was talking about the CPP trade, which really hasn't worked out uh, quite as well as they one I, I, I bet, because I, I haven't checked his numbers, but I think last time I looked, he was shooting like, 30 something percent from the field, you know, he ain't really been able to catch his rhythm in the in the in the second unit. But um I feel like Andrew Wiggins is really what's been letting the team down. Yeah. I don't I like, know what it is, but he has like, not been good this year. It's like Clay, I feel like they expected Clay to decline a little bit, but I feel like they were probably okay with it because they expected players like Wiggins, you know, you know, more than Wiggins, but players like Wiggins to, to actually step up. Facts. He actually regressed. This, this is the worst I've seen him play. I don't know, maybe his whole career, bro. Like, <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. Like, this reminds me of like one of his worst seasons in Minnesota, if not worse. Like, and that's that's the thing too, because he's he came off of such a great playoff run in 2022 when he right. had like when, whenever he helped the Warriors um, win a title that year. Like, you know, it's crazy. And I, I know that you know he missed a lot of time last year because he was dealing with some personal issues, yeah. but. I don't know. It's like, you know, and then, of course, you, you hear the rumblings that he came into training camp out of shape and that he didn't yeah. train at all. I don't know what's true and what's not true. But all I can say is, from my perspective, from the games that I've been watching, he hasn't been the same. He hasn't had the same impact. Pretty much the starters as a whole didn't even play well last night. You know, it was really the bench that kept them in, in the game uh, last night against Phoenix. They had like 68 bench points, I believe, I want to say, last time I checked, so. I'll be real, man. You know, like I said, you know, this this Warriors team has been a mess, and it's crazy because they started out five and one, so it looked like they were going to be up there as far as the top contenders in the West. It's like, okay, cool, the Warriors are back, but you know, with so much happening, Steph had got hurt, Draymond had gotten suspended the first time with the incident with uh, Rudy Gobert, um, and now this situation. Oh yeah, Chris Paul had gotten hurt a little bit too, um, and now this incident with Draymond. You know, there's just so much 
going on that's holding the Warriors back. And, you know, I'll be real, man. I don't I, – I'm really interested to see how many games he does get, get, get suspended. Actually, you know, let's go and get into that. How many games do you think that he'll get suspended? Because I know a lot of people have been saying like 10, 15, 20 games. I don't know exactly what number it is, but I think it can be something significant. Ooh, I ain't gonna lie. I hope it's not nothing too significant, but I I I say maybe 10, 15, though. I can see that. Yeah. Um, because I mean he got five games for the choke on, on Rudy Gobert. Right. Right. And now this and now this is his second incident. Now I'll be real, I was I was joking around earlier on Twitter. I was like, bro, like if this was David Stern, <laughs> it'd be a whole totally different situation because i don't know i started thinking about uh when spreewell had choked out uh pj carlissimo <laughs> i started thinking about like a few other things i started thinking about uh meta aka ron artest when he jumped into the stands like it would be a whole different situation if if david stern was still here and still oh yeah you know, it's still taking over the nba but i think adam silver is kind of a like a different guy in a way not saying that he's soft in any way but he does things a lot differently, and it seems like he's more players oriented, anyways. So, True. I think I think a range of ten to fifteen is probably fair for him, for Draymond. I will say, I think I think that's really. I mean, if it wanted to like twenty, I, I I wouldn't really be surprised. But hopefully, there's nothing like twenty five or nothing. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I'll be really like twenty five, thirty. I think it'll, it'll be like a little bit too much. Yeah, but then again, I mean, who knows? You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I personally wouldn't be surprised. I'll probably be a little bit upset, but I probably wouldn't be too surprised. Right. Now let's let's move over, man. So I talked about this a little bit on the last last episode. What were your thoughts on the in season tournament as a whole? You know, watching watching everything go down, watching the Lakers win. So, what, like, what were your thoughts? I actually thought it was like, you know, it's funny because when they first started showing us the courts and the jerseys, we like, I, you know, what I'm saying, what's going? I on? hated the courts, dog. Not the courts. The courts were were pretty wild, bro. But <laughs> I will say it was cool watching in real time as people as people started getting more and more into it. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's like collectively was like, no, you know, it ain't it ain't that bad for real. Like, it's pretty cool, especially seeing, uh, you know, young guys like Halle get get the shine. And it's like these. This is a time of the year when usually only the diehard fans are really interested for real. You know Facts. what I mean? <laughs> Bags, like bro. December, January, like right a little bit up to to the All Star deadline, uh, All Star uh, game. Like nobody's nobody really paying attention to those games for real. But now we are, and so I want to say not we, but you know, like the, a casual fan is. So like that's cool to see because, like I said, a guy like Halliburton, he would have been playing well anyway, probably. But now you get to like actually talk about like how good he is, and he's like he's only twenty two, and now we're getting to put him in an MVP conversation. Like that's that's dope to see for me. And uh, I like the fact that the Lakers won. Like, I'm really not a Lakers fan per se. You know, I like LeBron, but I do. I saw somebody say it was. It was. I've seen a couple people say that it's good for the NBA that the Lakers won uh, that championship in the you know in the, in the inaugural season. I think I could agree with that, bro. Because if it's not going to be a, a, a franchise like you know the Warriors, uh, you know the most recent dynasty, at least. Right. Some Lakers is 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 one of those things that fall into NBA lore, where you know in like 20, 30 years, people are still gonna talk about that. Well, like, well, the Lakers and LeBron won the first, you know, what I'm saying the first IST tournament. It's like, yeah, so that's kind of cool, you know. But I get it, and I feel like it gives it legitimacy that the uh, the Lakers felt the need or felt like it was good enough to actually put on a banner for real. Because now next year, people are gonna be like, well, this might be something to actually like work for to win. 
one thing that I'll say is, you know, I, I definitely agree with you when it comes to the Lakers winning the first ever one, because obviously with the Lakers being a big market, right. you know, it definitely helps for marketable reasons for the in-season tournament, for the in-season tournament, especially in year one, you know, you got one of the story <laughs> franchises in NBA history, being able to win it. Then on top of that, it features the face of the NBA and LeBron James being able to get that first, being able to get that first ring. Not saying that if it was like, I don't know, I'm trying to think of like, I don't know, OKC, like not saying that, you know, if it was OKC that won it, you know, it wouldn't be that. But I think I think what it does now is like, you know, it is for the casual fans as well that, you know, when you see the Lakers being able to go undefeated in the in-season tournament and watch LeBron being able to win that first title, I know that people are going to compare it to MJ and all that. But besides that, you know, I think for casual fans, it's going to be like, OK, this is legit. And I'll be real, we got some high level basketball. But and, you know, I, I touched on it. I touched on it in the uh, in the last episode. Like I was really looking forward to see what a lot of young teams were going to do, and that's why I was so happy to see the Indiana Pacers being able to shine the way that they did, especially Tyrese Halliburton. You know, to be able to have those moments. You know, because I mean, I know that it's not necessarily the playoffs, but it's kind of like in that same stratosphere in a way, but just differently. And what he did against Milwaukee was just incredible 27 15 assists no turnovers was just insane hit the biggest shot of the night like that like i don't know that to me was an indication because i'll be real as of right now i got i got hallie in my mvp conversation i know many people might be different but you know i mean i know that we are still early in the season but he's definitely in that conversation for me right but you know just to see indiana just to see their growth as a young team you know not even just hallie you know i'm watching Guys like Buddy Hill, I'm watching guys like Aaron Neesmith. You know, I thought Bruce Brown was a really good pickup, especially coming off of a championship. I'm looking at Obi Toppin as well and the connection that he has with other bigs like Miles Turner. And on top of that, what a great point guard like Tyrese Halliburton. This young team is clicking on all cylinders, man. I'm just super happy about it. But, you know, to, conc- to like to con- uh, conclude my statement, I'll be real. I don't think the end season tournament is going anywhere anytime soon. You know, I'll be real. In the beginning, I was confused. I didn't want to say that I hated it, but I was just confused about it. I was like, uh, you know, let's see how it goes. Because they have been talking about it for, for like at least the past like maybe five six years about having like an in season tournament. But I was like, I don't even think the NBA really needs that to really get eyes back on the league. Right? They were like comparing it to like the Euro League and soccer. Right. Get it, but you know, I ain't feel like there was real need to because I feel like when it comes to the Euro League. Well, actually, I really, I really don't know why the Euro League had that many cups. To be real with you, bro, <laughs> they got the Spanish Cup, the Euro League Cup. This it's like a, a Euro Cup. It's not the Euro League Cup. <laughs> exactly. And 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 honestly, I mean, on top of that, I mean, not even just the Euro League, but I mean, you see, you see college. You know, especially like around Thanksgiving time, they have Battle for Atlantis. They have yeah, true. You know, other tournaments and everything. Even the W just implemented. The commissioner's cup about a few years ago yeah, yeah, so yeah. you know i guess the nba was trying to take in was trying to take in people's blueprint and then add it into their own so i mean i'll, I'll be real i'll commend them too and i think it was smart to put them on tuesday and fridays just because you know if you put it on any other day like a thursday you know that's obviously they don't do tnt on thursday during the first half of the nba season because of nfl on thursday right then they can't do it on the weekends because on saturday because obviously saturday's college and then sunday's right. the uh, nfl so I thought it was smart to be able to do it on Tuesdays and Thursdays. So, you know, that's just that's really like one day where you can have all eyes on NBA and they're playing this high level basketball. Right. So, yeah, definitely a great point. I was say Adam Silver did like a mad genius type thing with this tournament. Bro. 
He did. <laughs> I can't even. I can't even knock him. Like, like I said, I mean, I was, I was confused about it in the beginning. Really? Yeah. <laughs> but you know, after, after seeing how the first year played out, yeah, this, this isn't going anywhere anytime soon. And on top of that, I think what it is now, after what took place in the first year, like. Expect a lot of teams to be a lot better going into next year, especially. I think I think a lot of teams are going to be able to take training camp more serious, the preseason more serious, because they're going to want to prepare for that in-season tournament, especially next year. So I think we should expect that as well. Oh, no, for real, bro. I was, and, uh, and honestly, because I think in the years, because, you know, LeBron, he, he might be the fine time, but he does have to retire one day. But I think when he does yes. retire – the in the season tournament might be one of those those times of the year where we we looking for the guys so who's, who's like quote unquote next up like maybe not LeBron's stature but we're like all right not before though who's the next superstars you know what I mean right. and that's and that's and that's honestly like not to go job that's why I said this is an opportunity for a lot of young teams and a lot of young players to show themselves to be able right. to prove that they're next so that's why it was dope for a guy like Tyrese Halliburton to shine you know the way that he did in this in season tournament facts but no nah, I mean you know I'm like I said I'm a fan of it. You know, I think it's. The, I don't think it's going anywhere anytime soon. And, you know, expect more over the next few years, man. Like I think, I think that you know, it's only going to increase the intensity of the NBA season moving forward. But let's dive into some young teams who are struggling. <laughs> uh, the Detroit Pistons. I want to say now is a 21 game losing streak. This mm. are currently on my TV now. They're playing the Lakers. They're actually cutting. They're actually cutting into the lead. Is uh, the Lakers are up 97, 86 with about seven and a half minutes remaining, but it looks like they might take another loss as well. <sighs> Talk about these young teams, man, what you've seen. Cause I know, I know you put some tweets out about the Pistons. I know you haven't been happy about the Pistons at all. So yeah. talk about that. Talk about that team first. And you know, the Pistons, I think the difference between the Pistons and the Spurs, I think the Pistons don't necessarily have as much as a talent issue when it comes to the level of talent. Right. They talent, it, it really doesn't mess well. You got a whole bunch of, it's, it's, I don't know, like the way a team is typically built, the, the Pistons just kind of went a, a, away from that. But, you know, I look around the league and I see multiple teams that aren't really built like you would think. Like the Magic aren't really built like you would think. They don't really have like those those off-ball like specialists and they start a lineup like you would think. You know, Franz and, and, and Paolo are going to take 20 shots a game each. But it's also weird because Paolo operates mainly at like the mid-post really. And friends, like he's a jump shooter, but he's really gonna try to get to the rim a lot. So it's just like you know, you would think that their spacing is messed up. So like when I look at the Pistons, it's like, well, dang, how come y'all aren't aren't able to at least like find something to rely on? But I think now, on the one hand, uh, you know, Jamal Mosley was with the Magic. You know, he's been he's had his second year there, so he's more used to the team. So I will say, as far as Monty Williams, I think he really wasn't. You know, he's really – he's fresh in the building, too. He's some new guys. So, I don't think he really knew really who – I ain't going to say he didn't know who his personnel was. You know, like he ain't never seen him before. But, you know, he right. had like an action for real with his own two eyes. And I feel like it might have took longer than a lot of people wanted to, for him to get certain combinations right or play certain players more like Jaden Ivey. But at the same time, you know, he, he's he's trying to find out what, what he has. So, I, I'll give him – give him his, his benefit of the doubt on that. But I think another issue really in general is just – like, like I said, they just don't really fit too cleanly. Uh, at the beginning of the season, they did need uh, Bogdanovich back because he's a 20-point-per-game scorer. In spacing or not, you can't just leave 20 points on, on the injury report and say it don't matter, you know what I mean? Right. So him coming back was important, but at the same time, it's still like I think they need to find a, the ways to maximize the young players they have. Uh, 
Killian Hayes did, is, is surprisingly caught his stride on offense, but I, I'm not too big of a fan of his defense. But at the same time, he's the guy that Monty wants to basically speed up the offense and, and get K going off ball. And so it's, it's, it's interesting because you would think uh, when Monte Morris returns, uh, he's going to be at a steady hand for them. You know what I mean? So at least even if you don't have the great defense, because I wouldn't say Monte Morris is a great uh, defender, but he's not going to turn the ball over. Uh, he's going to knock down. you knock down shots, yeah. Well, he's going to knock down shots, be pretty efficient. And, you know, that veteran know-how is just a thing anyway. It's like, you know, you organize the armors, you huddle up everybody. If, if you see Cade having, because Cade has poor body language at times. Of a guy like Monty Morris, my, you, you know what I'm saying? Get, you know, come over here, young fella, you know, you know, get him out of his head a little bit. But a whole bunch of other young guys aren't really going to be able to get you out your head. Killing Hayes, if he's having a bad night, and and Kate is having a bad night. You know they both in their heads. You know they can't really help each other out. Osar, he's a rookie. Well, you know when the rookie having a bad night, they definitely inside their heads. <laughs> I was I don't care if he said he he wasn't thinking too hard about it or not when he was in that slump. It was like man, I don't know. We were pressing a little bit, taking all them threes sometimes. And uh, and as a matter of fact, speaking of Osar, that's something he really does need to work on. His his three point, his uh his three point mastery. But I think that another issue the Pistons had early on, they just. They were old. It was weird. It was they had him playing out of his out of his self. Like nothing in the scouting report before he joined the league said he was going to be a, a spot up three point shooter. So you seeing him taking five <laughs> five catch and shoot threes a night. You know what I'm saying? Even five pull up threes a night is like what are you what are you doing? Oh sorry, you supposed to be headed to the rim. So that's another thing I say. I don't think Monty really knew his personnel because even if Monty wasn't telling Osar to shoot, you know, coach would quickly be like, what, you know what I'm saying? Get to get to your spots. You know what I mean? Like we might need to shoot the open shots, but we ain't trying to have you taking shots that you. Uh, what's that uh, clip uh, from Patrick Ewing? Do, do you take that shot? Oh, did you take that shot? Yeah, when he was coaching. Yeah, <laughs> what kind of shot is that? <laughs> That's how I felt when I watched Osar sometimes. It's like it's like this ain't you, bro. Like we'll stop doing that. But at the same time, you know he's a young player trying to get himself right. So I think the Pistons, you know, this it's a talent. It's a talent issue in terms of just to fit but i think they do have a lot of nice pieces so to their credit they should be able to flip those guys into pieces that fit better for them down the line it's a few things for me um it is funny because earlier today um i guess rondo and boogie cousin they got like a little podcast or whatever i saw like a small clip of it yeah i gotta um I got to check out more of it, but I was watching a small clip. It was like two minute clip that I saw of it. Okay, yeah. And they were talking about they were talking about Zion and the Pelicans and what they mm-hmm. needed. And Rondo made a dope statement, like, you know, hey, you know, I know that they have veterans. You know, they had guys like JJ Reddick in the past and they have currently CJ McCollum, but they need a veteran that 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 they respect. Not 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 saying that Zion doesn't respect CJ McCollum, but it's like, you know, a guy yeah. that will really listen. And I think I think you could say the same thing for Detroit. And, you know, I know that they do have Bogdanovich, but right. I don't think many people really expected Bogdanovich to ever be like a voice in the locker room. Yes, he can set the tone on offense and knock yeah. down three-point shots, you know, especially off the catch and shoot. But I don't know if that was really I and I mean who knows, but it's like I just don't I just don't look at Bogdanovich as a guy that's gonna bring the like rally everybody together and you know provide like that type of leadership, <laughs> you know, vocally. I think he's more of a guy that's going to probably set like set an example on the court and quietly than he is vocally. Um, so that's definitely something that I think Detroit should possibly get, you know, moving forward is a guy like a key veteran that can be a crucial voice in the locker room that can get the guys together. It's going to be, cause it's like you say, you know, you see how Cade, you know, he 
he downs himself, you know, whenever whenever there is a bad performance. The same thing with other guys as well. You got guys like Isaiah Stewart, who's very talented, but he can get a little out, out of control as well. So I think what it, I think what you can do for that team is you can get a really like a key veteran that can bring these guys together, help them get settled down, help them get help help them stay focused and keep playing every single possession. So that's something that we definitely have to see. And another thing, as far as the talent, I just think, I think one thing that I want to see is I would, I, I think we need to figure out like who's really going to fit with this team and who's not, because there is a lot of talent, but there's only one basketball on the floor. You know what I'm saying? There's only, there's only five positions on the floor and there's so many talented players. So I think we're going to have to figure out, especially, especially in the front court, because I mean, you got Isaiah Stewart, Jalen Duran, um, James Wiseman still with the team, but I know that he barely gets any playing time. Same thing with Marvin Bagley as well. So, you know, they're pretty heavy already in the front court as far as their um, as far as their bigs. So they're gonna have to figure out all right, cool, like who are the guys that we're gonna stay with and who are the guys that you know we may have to move on from. Um and another thing too is you know, it's crazy because and look, I'm not I'm not saying that Kate has played bad. I mean, well, the whole team has played bad hell. I mean, when you, when you lose 21 games, you're playing <laughs> But I don't know. I guess I guess I expected more out of Cade. You know, I, right. I I was watching him. I've been watching Cade since he was at Montverde. I watched him from Montverde to when he played at Oklahoma State and even now in the NBA. And it's like, especially when he was in college, I saw like that leadership potential in him, you know, being able to right. set the tone, being able to put the team on his back. And I, I know that college is a different level from the NBA, but – I think that he needs to get back to that because, in my opinion, I mean, even though they have so many talented players, I always viewed Kay Cunningham as the franchise guy. I think that right. he's the best player on the team. Right. You know, when you, when you talk about everything that he can do in a multitude of ways, scoring, playmaking, rebounding, um, I think that he can get better on defense. But I think that Cade has the package, and I think that he has the tangibles of what it takes to be a franchise player. So that's something that I definitely want to see more out of him. I don't really understand what – Monty Williams is doing as far as starting Killian Hayes. And I'll be I'm a I'm a Killian Hayes fan, you know, in no way that I'm hating. But if it were me, I'm starting Jaden Ivey. I think yeah. I, that's a I think that's a good pairing in the backcourt with Cade and Jaden. We didn't really get a chance to see a lot of it last year because Cade ended up getting hurt. And I we saw a little bit of it this season, but to me, I will be real. Like, you know, you lose 21 games, you like at this point, you gotta go for anything. You know what I'm saying? You gotta make <laughs> adjustment, bro. Like, you know what I'm saying? There's no hesitation on anything. Like so if I'm if I'm Monty Williams, which I know that this is new to him because I don't think he's ever been in this situation as a head coach. At this point, I'm trying anything. So I mean, that's just my opinion. You know, I would personally start Jaden Ivey over Killian Hayes. Not saying that Killian Hayes is not great. Not saying that he's not valuable. But when you talk about his playmaking and then of course his growth as a scorer, I think that he could be great for the second unit. So there's a lot of questions to talk about with with, uh, with Detroit. And I'll be real. I thought. I mean, I didn't have them making the playoffs this year. But I definitely had them taking like another step in the right direction. Right. Yeah. I, I was like, I didn't need them to be in the playoffs. I just needed them to look like exactly. Was, I was I was I was saying like maybe like low 30, 30 games. Right. Something you know, like 25, that. 30, 20, anything between twenty five and thirty five games seems reasonable. You know exactly. I mean? Especially especially for this team. But now they're twenty one straight losses, man. I don't yeah. I don't know what's gonna unfold for throughout the rest of this season and and they're gonna need a veteran if they keep losing like that for real. Because I mean, Monty's only one voice. And like you said, Bogdanovich, he might be a veteran, but nobody's really ever talked about him as a veteran leader. You know, like that's not really necessarily his thing. So yeah. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. I mean, a veteran is definitely key. Um, I don't know who's on the market right now that you could possibly bring in, but 
<laughs> somebody that yeah, somebody that definitely has a voice, somebody who definitely has good playoff experience, you know, somebody that can bring the team together. Like I'll be real, I would, you know, I'm I'm not I'm not saying that this guy would join the team, but I would love to see a guy of like a PJ Tucker caliber player be on this team. Like maybe not PJ Tucker in particular, but somebody like of his of his, you know, attitude, you know, his mentality. That might be the guy that they they just need to get. Like, all right, PJ, I know you want to play for a ring, but uh, you know, Ty Lue ain't giving you minutes. Uh Monty Williams might just, you know. Shoot, or even like one of the Morris twins. I know that you know they could be a little hot-headed themselves, but honestly, I'll be real. Like if they if they got like a real key veteran who can be a voice on and off the court, I guarantee you we'll see a different dynamic in this um, in this Detroit Pistons team. I just think that because they don't have that leadership, that you know everything is just looking bad right now. But I guarantee you, if they had like a veteran leader on this team, whether it's I mean, he don't even have to play, you know, he can just be on the end of the bench. Exactly. That that's exactly what I was gonna say. You know, it's like Udonis in his last few years in Miami. He didn't play a lot, but you know, he was a key voice on the side of the bench and in the locker room. So if they had a guy of that caliber, I guarantee you like things would be different in, in Detroit. No, for real, bro. I definitely agree with you on that. And honestly, I'm thinking about like the guys you said, like who could be on the market. And it's funny because PJ Tucker is the, the the most ideal fit for him. But if they could swing a tree, uh, trade for one of these guys from the Bulls, who I feel like they're gonna be making, they're gonna be trading at least one of their veterans. Uh, and it's weird because everybody's talking about Zach Levine, but I feel like some weird, something weird might happen where it's the Rosenet gets traded instead of Levine. You know what I mean? I think that could happen. I'm yeah. Chicago needs to blow it up anyways. You know what I'm saying? I'm, I'm down with everybody getting traded. <laughs> to be honest. I say, I honestly, like, I don't know, bro. Like, I had, like, the Bulls are another one of those young teams where it's kind of like with the Pistons. Like, it, you just want to see them keep taking steps. And, like, it seemed like they were, but then they hit a wall and they never, they never went past it. And it's like, dang. And it's like, they did try to do the thing where they added veterans to the rebuild to speed it up. But it's like, you know, Lonzo, I would say that Lonzo injury, you know, I can't, that was out of their control. That hurt him. Yeah, because yeah. I'll be real. Like, if Lonzo was healthy right now, this it would might be a little. Yeah, <laughs> maybe, <laughs> maybe not like a championship contender, but I guarantee you they'll be at least one of the best teams in the, in the East. Maybe like at least top six. I think when it comes to like, but with the Bulls though, you know, they're not. When it comes to the young guys, except for Kobe White, I really can't say they really done too well developing them into what they could be. Dosunmo, I thought he would have been more coming out of college. You know, not necessarily like a. Like really, even a starter per se. Just I thought we'd have been getting more run, making more plays. Like right, just had a right. day. Uh, Patrick Williams, uh, he had a good season last year, almost like a Grant Williams. Ironically enough, he was in out the lineup a few times too. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like he's, you know, he's a little bit inconsistent. And so I, you know, it's just a couple, a couple things. But yeah, uh, I think I think the Pistons just need, you know, just need a leader, yeah, a guy who's gonna keep them because like they're gonna keep losing more. So you need a guy that's gonna keep them, yeah. keep them to rally them together. Like uh, I had tweeted the other day, a guy you know, you read those stories about how LeBron brings his teammates, you know, to the house for dinner. You know what I'm saying? Like somebody that do something like that. That that is interesting because what is the what is the dynamic of this team off the court? You know what I'm saying? You know, like, I mean, they, what are, like are they friends? Or, exactly. You know? Like you know, are they are they hanging out? With, like we you know when they're on the road, are they going out for dinners? Are they going? I don't know, go car racing or whatever when they're on the road. Like, you know, are they are they building that camaraderie? That's something that's really interesting because I mean that that plays a crucial role. And we've seen it in the past with a lot of championship teams, you know, whether it's like any of the teams that LeBron had, 
or any teams that, you know, Steph may have had, you know, I think building that chemistry and that camaraderie off the court definitely does play a factor in how teams do succeed on the court. So that's something that I definitely will, um, that I definitely will want to know, but they just lost to the Pistons or excuse me. They, they just lost to the Sixers tonight <laughs> and B delivered 41 and 11 Ooh. shot 14 and 24, but it's 58%. I mean, I'll be real. I mean, I don't, I don't. I don't even know what the. I don't know what the rest of the Pistons schedule is looking like. But oh yeah, I don't, I don't think. I don't know if it matters if it gets harder or easier. So it's like exactly. their issues are seem more internal than anything. No, nah, that's a fact. You know, it's funny. Somebody actually put a poll up on Twitter. They were saying, like, what happens first, Draymond come back or the Pistons win a game? And I was like, damn, like, you can't that's do them like crazy. that. Bro. You don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but no, nah, man. What you? What do you think about San Antonio? Um, now the Spurs, yeah, you see, they just need more talent, and I don't want to say necessarily just like not the start of lineup because I actually like uh I like Vassal, I like Keldon Johnson, uh you know Wimby, um I mean it ain't like he's Michael Jordan in year one or Tim Duncan in year one, but he's doing pretty well, you know, especially for a rookie, uh and even Zach Collins, I mean I'm not the biggest fan of Zach Collins per se, but he he's I guess he's been doing you know you got to respect what he, his numbers he's putting up, I, like I had. It's like he's putting up like 10, 7, and 3, like something like that. Like, you know, he ain't, he ain't really doing nothing crazy, but he's he's doing a little bit of all-around work. So, I, you know, I'm not really mad at that. But when you look at their point guard issue, they they they, they started so can as, as, a, as a full point guard. You know, he's supposed to be – I mean, he might have some passing skills, but I never saw him as a, as a full-time point guard. Like, you know, it's not like it's LeBron out there. <laughs> and then um, Branham – uh, from Ohio State, you know, he's a guy, uh, he has, he's like a jack of all trades to me. Like, he could pass a little bit, he could shoot a little bit. Uh, really, he can't really defend a little bit. <laughs> but, um, you know, on offense, yeah, he could do a few things. Uh, but I still think they just need to raise their overall talent level, man. Like, you just got too many guys. Like, you have a whole bunch of almost 20-point scores. You know what I mean? Like, you, you need somebody that's really a real go-to guy. Like, Wimby is probably going to be that guy. You know, down the line, but I really feel like you shouldn't even really be forcing it on him like that. Right. Chet ain't being forced to be the guy. You know what I mean? SGA does his thing, and Chet. Right. It's two totally different situations with uh, right. the two guys. And I was like, if Wimby could do a little bit more what Chet is doing right now, you know what I mean? Like the Spurs might be better off because Wimby, like I said, he shouldn't have to be option one A. He should be like the second option right now, or even a one B. But you know, just not the guy that they let him take thirty shots a game. I mean, outside of his development, you know, it's not going to really help them win games per se. I think the best bet for San Antonio is to just continue to be patient and right. just continue to work around Wimby. You know, I mean, even I mean, I know that you know he may not be from her for uh, rookie of the year right now, but he's still having a pretty decent season. I mean, I'm watching the game right now. Yes, when they're playing against the Lakers, he actually just hit a big three on the left wing. So, hmm. like. Wemby Wemby shows to me that he has what it takes to be the franchise player. I just think that it's going to take some time. And then, of course, you know, you talk about the rest of the guys. You know, the rest of the guys are continuing to develop as well. Kelvin Johnson, I love what he's been able to bring to the table. Devin Vassell, who I've told many people he's a three-level scorer. A lot of people viewed him as a three-and-D type of guy when he came out of Florida State. But I was like, no, he has the tangibles of being an elite shot creator, somebody who can score at all three levels. And I think that we're seeing that this year. Honestly, if they had a better record, he could be in the most improved player conversation. Right. But that's that. I mean, but that's neither here nor there. But I don't know. It's like I look at I look at San Antonio a little bit different from um, the other young teams, whether it was like Detroit or Indiana or or 
Orlando or even even Houston per se. Because I mean, I know that Houston got keep got some veteran guys, but they're still a relatively young team. But I think talent wise, San Antonio is not in that same upper echelon as the other like, like as the other young teams that I mentioned. Like you talk about Detroit, Kate Cunningham, Jaden Ivey, Killian Hayes, Isaiah Stewart, Jalen Duran, Orlando. They got a lot of talent. Yeah, exactly. Orlando, you got Paolo, you got Franz, you got Cole Anthony, you got um, Wendell Carter Jr. Um, and even in Houston, you got guys like Jalen Green, Jabari Smith Jr., Alfred Singun. So, and look, I'm not I'm not trying to discredit San Antonio because they have a lot of talent on the team, but I don't think the talent is up to that level of the other young teams. So that's why, and on top of that, you know, it's gonna it's gonna be hard to get key free agents or whoever to come to San Antonio. Come to San Antonio now. Don't get me wrong. I mean, the franchise is legendary and you know you, you they still got great popovich on the team but you know they're still kind of a small smaller market team so i think that i think their best bet is to you know just continue to build just continue to rebuild continue to um build around Wemby. and i'll be real i mean depending on where Wemby goes in the next few years i think that they can continue to elevate as as time goes on no i really do think and honestly that is the thing though you know they they're taking the right steps, man. They're taking the right steps. And Popovich is, you know, even if nobody thinks he, I mean, I'm going to say nobody. I don't, I don't know. A lot of people still have him as the very best coach in the league right now. Because right. he's a young guy. I mean, other guys have been stepping up. But, you know, Greg Popovich will never not be a top three coach in the league at any point in time. So, you know, you have a perfect <laughs> guy to lead, the, you know, the, the franchise during a rebuild because he's a legend. You know, nice. so. At the end of the day, yeah, like you said, it's got to be patient. And, uh, I, I, you know, as like with the Pistons, their solution might be the trade market. I don't necessarily know that's the solution for the uh, for the Spurs outside of getting a real point guard. You know what I mean? Yeah. But also, you know, how do you feel about a guy like Trey Jones? No, I like Trey Jones. I think the only thing Trey Jones doesn't do well is hit, hit three, you know. And but at the same time, I think maybe that's what <laughs> maybe that's what uh Pop's problem is and why he don't want to start him. I'm not quite sure, bro. I have been wondering why he started so can over him, but I haven't been able to like. I don't know if anybody's asked that question to him yet. Because I, I like I like Trey Jones honestly. Uh, him and yeah. his brother Tyus, I think are you know they're not they're not going to be star point guards, uh, but you know they they're starter at least you know borderline starter level guys, spot starters, you know. So yeah, real talented guys. No, I agree. Um, I, I've been a fan of Trey Jones ever since college when he was a dude. Right. So. <laughs> you know, I mean, so what I mean, and I'll be real, he's he's definitely had his moments, you know, during his um, small NBA career. But I guess you could say, I mean, he, he's definitely talented, but I, I can definitely agree. You know, I don't know if he's fit to be a starting point guard as of yet. Now, obviously, second unit, I think that he could be a great spark for them. But I think right. that's definitely something that they can possibly get. It's like a true point. Guard. Ooh, this might sound crazy, but man, like, I mean, it may not even happen. But man, a guy like Lonzo Ball on this team would be nice. I ain't gonna lie. Man, honestly, I think he I will say, and I think uh Papa love Lonzo, man. Yeah, oh yeah, easily. Even though that the, the circus that comes with Lonzo, and that's really people don't I don't know, that's more of you know, his his family, his father. Lonzo, as as far as his the other kids go in the family, Lonzo seems the most meek, like they had the most, you know what I'm saying, quiet personality. Mm-hmm. Like he might he's a true it. professional, man. You know what I'm saying? It's like he might you might see him in a club or something. He liked to rap, but he's not like you know he ain't out there doing nothing crazy. You ain't seeing him like pulling up like the mellow in, in the in the guineas, you know. Right. <laughs> but also, I mean, like the re- I mean, the one thing that stands out to Lonzo is that there's no ego really attached to him. No either. ego, man. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like 
Lonzo's not trying to get 20, 25 a game. I mean, not not saying that he can't do it because I mean he definitely did it on occasion whenever he, whenever, whenever he's playing with the Lakers and then, then whenever he's playing with New Orleans. But you know, I think having a guy like of his caliber who is a playmaker first, you know how much that'll make the, the game much easier for a guy like Victor Wembanyama. Right. That's the thing. They don't have a lot of guys that's really passing Wimby. I mean, you know, they're getting Wimby the ball, but like I feel like with a a great big, you need a great point guard. Like you know what I mean? Because that's the thing. Because you can connect in the pick and roll. You can you can connect and pick and pop. You know, he can throw great entry passes. Like so, it would make the game totally easier for uh, for Wimby. And it's unfortunate because you know I don't. I mean, we don't know what the future looks like for Lonzo, especially with his knee injury. But man, like that would be a great pickup for San Antonio. Right. Not for real though. And honestly, I, I think people need to go ahead and find out where Lonzo was at with that uh, recovery process. <laughs> for real. X. Nah, I, I would. And I'll be real. We haven't. I think the last time we probably heard from him was whenever him and Stephen A were having like a little back and forth because I right. think Stephen A had like said something. Uh, but, Stephen A said uh, he had seen some reports that Lonzo couldn't even get out of the chair without. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. yeah. He posted a clip of him getting out of uh, his wheelchair or, or wherever he was sitting down at. But it's like, yeah, yeah. But you know, Stephen A gonna make his point known. The thing with Stephen A is a lot of the things people could call cap. Sometimes I call cap, but you know, Stephen A is a guy who's been in the, the industry behind the scenes for such a long time. Yeah, you know, sometimes when he says things, he might want to call cap, but you also have to have him back in mind. Like, I mean, he might just be telling the truth, bro. Like, <laughs> he might have heard something. You know, a player ain't gonna necessarily want to have certain information hit the airwaves. So when it, player disagrees with Stephen A. off rip, I don't really necessarily take that as, you know, just because it's the gospel. Like, it's certain things I wouldn't want, you know, about me to hear the airways. I might be like, oh, I don't know where you heard that. (laughs) Not as a fact, fact for sure, but, you know, like I said, San Antonio, I think the best bet is to just continue to build with the guys and just continue to draft key players move forward, build around Wimby. I'll say that we get in about, like, you know, in like a two to four year window, but let's dive into the magic. What's that? I say, yeah, I said honestly, in a couple of years, they should be with the Magic at right now, like top top four in the in the in the conference. I think uh, really, I definitely agree, man. I think I think I think in the like I said, two two to four year window, I think that we're gonna see San Antonio back up there. It's like you know one of the best teams in the West. What's up, you guys? This is the one and only Nick Andre, and I just want to let you guys know in case you guys have been living under a rock, I do have a new series that's currently going on right now, titled Underrated Duels on my Patreon channel. Is where I dive back into a lot of one-two punches and a lot of one-two tandems in past NBA history who may have not won a championship, may not get recognized, but did do some damage as a unit. So make sure to check that out. Make sure to subscribe to my Patreon. And without further ado, let's get back into the episode. Let's go ahead and switch topics, man. I want to talk about Mr. Zion Williamson because he's been in the news as a recent, um, pretty good numbers, 23 game, a little over five and a half rebounds over one block. He's got nine games where he scored 20 or like 25 plus points uh two double doubles this year he also had a he also nearly had a triple double he was actually one assist shy of a triple double um, earlier this year right it seems like you know it's the same conversation with lonzo or lonzo with zion um you know throughout you know throughout his career you know obviously you know with the weight gain and everything and you know him being out of shape so what are your thoughts you know when we hear about people saying that he's out of shape do you believe that yourself or anything you know, I feel like Zion's just a player who's over the course of his career is, you know, there's always certain athletes like we always hear about them, certain athletes who they, they just have a larger appetite than others. You know what I'm saying? It's just a natural thing. You, you know, when Zion came to the league 280, 
should have nobody had expected him to not have a big appetite. You know what I mean? He's, he's, he's 280. You know, the man likes to eat. But at the same time, though, I think there's a difference between being out of shape and overweight. And so I think a lot of people be trying to say he's overweight. But, you know, what I'm saying other people are saying he's out of shape. And I go more. He just needs to be more fit. You know what I mean? Like, I agree. if you paint, if you, I ain't gonna say it's a problem for you to play at 285. That's the weight you need to dominate in the paint, which we know you do. You know, that's the weight. But, you know, make sure it's, it's nothing that's holding you down. And we all know uh, as you get older, you know what I'm saying? You gotta be an athlete. Like, uh, the, your diet changes a little bit as you get older when you're trying to be more fit, man. Like, you, you, like, you might like to go eat, you know, Burger King and McDonald's, like, three times a week before, you know, even maybe every day. But now you're like, oh, I can't really do that because now I feel a little bit, you know what I'm saying? It might be taking a little bit longer to recover, a little bit longer to wake up. You might be trying to hoop. You're like, well, I got tired quick. I might need, you know what I'm saying? So exactly. I think on, that's his thing. He just needs to just be in better shape. I don't know if it's necessarily just eating better foods or, you know, being in a gym more because he look like a gym rat. So, but you know what I'm saying? But whatever it takes for him to be in better shape, you know what I'm saying? Not necessarily lose weight, just have better conditioning. That's what I think he needs. And that's and that's the thing too, because I mean, even I have been concerned with him as well. Because I mean, I was I was watching the playing game last week when they played against the Lakers for the spot of the championship game, and I was like, well, he does he does look a little heavy, right? But you know, at the end of the day, you know, when you have a player of his caliber, like let's be real, nobody's stopping Zion Williamson when he has the ball in transition. I don't care who, I don't care who won multiple defensive player of the years or anything, man. When that guy his size <laughs> is getting downhill and he can attack the basket on the break. There's nobody stopping him, especially with his size. So, you know, at the end of the day, it's like, you know, like when you look at the overview of his season, he hasn't been necessarily bad. Now, has he had better yes. seasons? Of course he has. But, I mean, one thing that I'll say is that and – that's, and that's the thing too, though, because, like, you know, like you mentioned, you know, like there's a difference between uh, being fit. What did you say again? I'm trying to remember. Oh, what no, that I was just saying that the difference between being overweight and out of shape. Being overweight. Yeah, being overweight and out of shape because – I think there was a video that came out like last year. Um, Zion, I, apparently, I mean, allegedly he was like a little over 300 pounds when this video came out, but he did like a whole 360 dunk. Right. So it's like, you know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> clearly he hasn't really lost a step. I know that he, you know, I know that he may have more weight on him, but he's clearly shown that, you know, that he could still do a lot of the things that he did. And then, of course, you know, you look at him now, he came back and he's having a really, really good season for New Orleans. They actually, they actually just got a big win today over, um, over the Wizards was by the way everybody everybody's being the Wizards too honestly but yeah I'll be real I mean I mean definitely one thing is you know is for Zion is to stay consistent with his diet I think that I think that, that is something that that you know everybody definitely wants to see because it's funny because I think it was like a few weeks ago I went to I went back and watched the old Duke game you know back in 2018 2019 right and I'll be real Zion Zion looked really good he looked like really like he really looked he really looked like he was in shape so and I'll be real. I mean, when you look now, four or five years later, I mean, there is there is a little bit of a difference. So, you know, I think the one thing that can help expand his career is to get in shape. But it's like it's also a crazy thing at the same time because you look at Luca. I mean, you look at how Luca's killing the league. You know what I'm saying? Right. I don't think Luca's like I don't think Luca's like a health junkie. You look at the Joker. The Joker. You know what I'm saying? The Joker's just getting triple doubles effortlessly. He's definitely not a health junkie. <laughs> right. So, but I mean, but I mean, but, but at the end of the day, everybody's different. You know, everybody's definitely different. And you know, oh, what were you gonna say, bro? Well, I mean, ba basically what I was gonna say is you know, the difference between Zion and those other guys, Luca and Joker, is that Zion's missed a lot of significant time. 
you know, Joker sure. has, I mean, Joker's missed time here and there. Luca's missed time here and there, but it's never like an extended period like of the season. So that's one thing yeah. that I will give. That's one thing that I will say is the difference. So, you know, for Zion, I think that he just has to do a work for him. You know what I'm saying? Like if he wants to be 280, then definitely be 280, but make sure that you're definitely playing at a high level. But I will say, you know, definitely be consistent on the diet. Definitely be consistent in your workouts and everything. Facts. I was just going to say, I think with Zion, another reason I wouldn't want him to lose too much weight is because um, I think with him, the size is almost like an intimidation factor a little bit. How you was talking about, you know what I'm saying? It don't matter what, how many defensive player to wear, TPO to your, you know what I'm saying, awards you got. When Zion's coming at you, you're really not trying to jump with Zion. But part of that's because when you see Zion coming down the lane, you see somebody 285 looking like he's running a 4-3, you know what I'm saying? You know he can, he could jump. You're not really trying to jump with him. It's like back in the day with, with, with a young LeBron, you know what I'm saying? People was not trying to jump in front of LeBron. Like back when he was with the Heat, when, when people were making them HGH jokes because <laughs> bro was pretty swole. Like, yeah, folks was not. I remember that. <laughs> well, I'm saying, but it's always players like that. I remember uh, growing up watching Shaq. That was one of the biggest things they used to say about Shaq all the time. You yeah. Saying Shaq is, is a nimble, he was a nimble big man, which, you know, a, a lot of the younger generation might not think that now. But, you know what I'm saying? He was, he was pretty nimble on his feet for a big guy. But it's also, that's the thing. He's so big, you know, when he's on the, when he's on the block, he hits that little spin. Most of the guys, they they backing away a little bit. Like, you know what I'm saying? Even if it's a, a generation of guys who are a little bit tougher in the paint, man, they was not really trying to trying to go up heads up with Shaq, for real. And I think that's the same thing Zion got going for him. People not really trying to go heads up with him. So I can see why he wouldn't want to lose weight, for real. But, you know, like you said, you got to be in good enough shape to win. I feel like stay on, stay on the court. Uh, but I also think he needs to be in better condition so he could fix up his defense a little bit, though. I think the smallest that he should be like, not, not saying that he should get to this weight, but he should be no smaller than like maybe 260, 265. I think he's going to have that weight on him, especially, you know, playing at the power forward position and, and the style that he plays, because if he's anything less than 260, you know, I'm not, I'm sure it's not going to be as easy getting downhill on the break that it is now, you know, when you're going up against other guys. I will say you lose 20 pounds, you know, your your opponent gonna see that. Anybody gonna see that, really? But yeah, exactly. <laughs> be crazy, man. We we see Zion on the break, and next you know he getting bumped around. I'm like, what the hell? Is going oh on? yeah, that's what I'm saying. Then we go like, now nah, you gotta. Eat. You're saying we gonna tell him he need to eat more. Exactly. <laughs> go back to the gumbo and stuff. <laughs> oh God, that's what they gonna say on Twitter. You need to go back. Let to me <laughs> <laughs> But now, nah, um, let me ask you this: Do you think that he'll play? I wouldn't say every game this season, but, you know, most of the year, like, you know, like, will he play up up until April, do you think? You know, I think uh, I think this is going to be a good season for him in terms of staying healthy, you know. And, that, I, and I, so. I really have no real no real reason to say that. I just think I'm just hoping for the best for real, <laughs> to be honest with you, because it's like, you know, even when you look at certain players in the past, it ain't like they be out, like, they, ain't get, they don't get injured every season per se, you know. It just ain't like a, a – a Brandon Roy situation, you know, where bro got a degenerative knee disease. So, so hopefully, hopefully, bro, you know, he could he could be healthy. I hope so. I'm a. I mean, I'll be real. Besides everything, I'm I'm a fan of Zion. I love watching Not Zion Williams to play. He's yeah. a fun player, bro. Exactly. Like you know, like you love you love just being able to see. I mean, it's like you mentioned, you know, earlier with Shaq, and the reason why Shaq was such a, like everybody was such a fan of Shaq was because nobody could stop him, especially when he's like when he gets that position and. <laughs> And he makes that first spin move is over with. No matter who's in front of him, no matter who's around him, 
Like they surround him with like four or five guys, he was still able to dunk on everybody. Well, he was definitely gonna put it down. <laughs> exactly. And it's almost the same thing, like you know, with Zion. Like, you know, when he's when he's on the break, I mean, I'm I'm pretty much I pretty much repeat myself over a hundred times, but like, you know, when he's getting downhill and he's on that break with the ball in his hands, nobody's stopping that. You know what I'm yeah. saying? The best thing you could probably do is foul him, but you probably can't even foul him because he's probably that's the thing, finish. so big, it's like exactly you just wasted a foul. <laughs> exactly. I mean, he's probably still gonna finish at the rim anyway, so I really, I really hope that Zion plays the whole year. I mean, I'm, I'm sure 82 games, like that's that's not gonna happen. But at least, at least 69, 70. I mean, I, I don't even know. I don't, I don't even know how many. I know he's missed a few games. I don't know exactly how many. I think he's only missed like maybe two, three, or four games. But yeah, he really ain't missed 20 games this season. No, 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 not at all. Play. So, yeah, I mean, if he plays like at least like 69, 70 games, man, that's gonna be really big for him. Because people forget he hasn't even. He technically hasn't even played a playoff game yet. I know that he played in the end season tournament. This. Um, about a few uh, a few weeks ago, but he hasn't actually played beyond April, I believe. So that's something that a lot of people definitely want to see as well. Well, so he only has missed four. I mean, oh, well, besides, I guess including tonight, he's missed five games. But yeah, you know, as long as he plays sixty games, at least sixty, sixty-five games a season, I, I'm satisfied. Honestly, like I don't expect him to play eighty-two games. I really don't expect him to play seventy-five. Nothing like that. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I think that might be too high for him. 70, you know, 65, 70 being like the average, you know, that's cool. Nah, I definitely agree. I definitely agree with that. But now let's let's talk about the Clippers, man. You know, this has been a very interesting team. Yeah. Uh, it seems like they're slowly starting to figure things out on a current five-game winning streak. They just beat Sacramento Tuesday night. They're 7-2 and two in their last nine games. So my first question is, what have you seen differently from the Clippers and like from the first, I don't know, four to five games that James Harden has played to now in, in the more recent games? I think, and, you know, I think part of it is that first when uh, Harden had joined up with the team, it kind of knocked everybody off rhythm, but not necessarily just because Harden was there, but, you know, like there is only one ball. Like anybody who's hooped just told you, man, like if you was playing with somebody, like, you know, you could just be a pickup man. You scored 20, but you pick up somebody you know can get buckets. You know what I'm saying? And now you share with him. But then y'all pick up somebody else who get buckets. Now y'all trying to figure out who should get the ball where. Like, you know what I'm saying? I feel like that's really all it was low-key at first. But it didn't seem like it was going to be in sight to that issue because if, you know, if they if nobody decided to go to the bench, then it was going to be an issue all season how I saw that. But with Westbrook deciding to, uh, you know, take that sacrifice, I think it allowed the guys, uh, Kawhi and Paul George mainly, to get back in the rhythm and harder to find his, his way a little bit more simply. So I think that's really the difference, though. Yeah, um, I went back and watched uh, the last two games. I mentioned the Sacramento game, and they also played Portland, I believe, on Monday night. So oh, I yeah. went back and watched. I went back to watch those two games, and I would say, you know, it's it's been a lot of improvements. I'm really, really impressed with the team. The ball movement looks really, really good. Um, I think one thing that I do love is that they're working around Kawhi a lot more, especially in the mid range, because, you know, I'll be real. I mean, as great as Paul George is, as great as Russell Westbrook is, as great as James Harden is, I I think Kawhi is the best scorer on this team, overall scorer. I think that it's best that Ty Lue makes sure to prioritize running the offense through him just because, you know, he is the best scorer. And on top of that, you know, with his experience and everything, I think that, you know, he's the the guy that's going to be able to lead them you know, for, like far in the playoffs if they do get there. But there definitely is a difference, you know, that, that that I will say. You know, Like I say, you know, the ball movement is spectacular. You know, we see a lot of driving kicks. We see a lot of pick and roll action, you know, between Harden and whether it's uh, 
whether it's uh, Daniel Tice or whether it's um, Zubox. So I definitely like that. Um, if there's one thing that I think that they can improve upon, I uh, improve upon. I think one thing that it is is definitely closing out on shooters. Um, because I was actually I was actually looking at a stat today, and I want to say their opponents are averaging around like 37, 38 percent from uh, from the three point line. And mm. you know, watching that Portland game, going back to watch the Portland game and the Sacramento game, there was a lot of possessions where they didn't close out on shooters or they weren't able to recover. And with that being said, you know, they got burned on they got burned on the uh, on the three pointer. I know that they won those games, but you know, that's definitely something that they definitely are going to have to look into. But besides that. You know, I'll, I'll definitely give the credit. I'll definitely give the Clippers their credit. You know, they played exceptional basketball these last uh, few weeks. Um, do I have them as far as being my favorites or one of my favorites in the West? I'm not there. I'm not there at least yet. But I'm gonna say it has been slow improvement. You know, since Harden has came with the team. Right. I'm gonna say you know, and honestly, it's a team full of guys. Like if Twitter had an all I hate team, you know what I'm saying. At least three of those guys would be on. Oh that yeah, team. easily. You know what I'm saying? Like nobody really hates Kawhi, but people don't say a lot of things about Paul George. People don't say a lot of things about a lot of things about Westbrook. So it's like I don't think people are even really necessarily wanting them to do well. To be honest with you, but as far as a real basketball fan, a guy who's seen these guys, you know, throughout the whole career, I, I you know, I would love to see them excel. So I'm glad to see the fact that you know they they are taking those steps. But I do think it's. It's, I don't know if he had noticed, but PJ Tucker was the only one who who didn't get in the game the last game, and I found that interesting because like I know Tyler was just trying to send a message, or you know maybe PJ, you know what I'm saying wasn't gonna get into the end of the game. He might have told Tyler, Nah, you know what I mean? Like, well, no, <laughs> let's 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 go ahead and dive into that because that was one of my questions that I had on my on my topic list. Um, yeah, there were reports that came out that that PJ Tucker has been unhappy with his role with the Clippers. And I'll be honest, you know, so when this team first assembled, I was already saying, Hey, you know, I think they're going to have to choose between Russell Westbrook or James Harden, as far as being their primary ball handler. Right. Starting right. Lineup. In my opinion, I thought it should have been Russell Westbrook, but give credit to Russ. You know, he made that decision saying, Hey, right. I'm going to, I'm going to come off the bench and I'm going to be a part of the second unit. I've already done it before when I was with the Lakers. So I definitely commend Westbrook on that. But even then, you know, I felt like somehow, some way they could have implemented PJ as a small four position, you know, right next to guys like Kawhi, PG, Harden, and then, of course, Zubox. But there hasn't been a lot of opportunity for PJ under Tyloo. So I'm really, really interested to hear, you know, what your thoughts on that. Also, I think part of it is because just the way they front court is set up. Because, I mean, Zubox is going to be, the, you know, saying he's going to get his minutes. Uh, he, he's, he's, you know, saying he's been like the, their centerpiece at center for so long. You just you expect that. Tyus, you know, a lot of people might not really think a lot of Tyus, but you know, he's actually, as far as big men go, he's a little bit more versatile than the people might think for it. You know what I'm saying? He block shots, hit threes. Uh, he's not slow footed. You know what I mean? Uh, he plays defense pretty well. So, I can see why he's getting more. Like I, I can see why Tyloo would look at the bench and, and you know what I'm saying pick Tyus in the rotation over over PJ Tucker. I can actually just see why. You know what I'm saying? Because I mean PJ Tucker, even though he's a great defender, you know you're not ever really thinking about him getting points. If he gets a, a like, you know what I'm saying record complete zeros at a box score, you're not even batting the eye with PJ Tucker because that's not what he was out there for for real. Right. <laughs> but at the same time, you know, like you said, Tyloo could have found a way. Or could find a way. I feel like even still, you know, that we should work PJ Tucker into into the rotation. 
But I will say, you know, I, I could just see uh, when they got this team together, it was going to be complicated, man, because it's it too much, too many players that could play too many positions. Paul George could play the four. Ka- Kawhi is going to play the four sometimes. You know what I mean? Uh, you got, I think Rocco is still over there. He's going to get his minutes every now and then. Facts. But at the same time, though, you know, PJ Tucker, like, like we were just saying, he's such a, a well known commodity. You would just wish that you could find a way to get a veteran who you know is going to be able to do. He's going to do what you ask him first off. And, you know, he's going to be able to, like, lock down. And he's also that fiery guy. I think one of the things that, like, when he was talking about Westbrook starting over uh, Harden potentially when they first got together, one of the reasons I thought that was going to happen because last year Paul George was talking about Westbrook being a great leader for the team. You know what I mean? And I feel like uh, P.J. Tucker has some of those same elements of Westbrook. He's fiery, you know what I mean? And a guy like – Very passionate. Wise reserves. Paul George not reserved per se, but he also not really like a, a a gritty type dude to be honest with you. So you get you get your PJ Tucker, your hard nose, your 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 you Donis Haslam so to speak, and you know they could have been it could have worked out for him. But I don't know. I think based on what I saw last game with PJ Tucker being the only one not getting in, now I'm more curious to see if there's a, a real rift there between him and Tyloo. Because if if it's a rift that they can't solve, then you know I could see him on, on his way out. I could definitely see it happen too. Because um, I mean, because PJ's a veteran and, you know, he's a champion. He's been on several great teams, whether it was with the Rockets, with Harden, right there before. Uh, I talked about Milwaukee. Um, I even, uh, we can even talk about Philly, you know, during his time there, during his brief time there. Um, at least from what I've seen in the past few games that I did watch, you know, I've seen. I've seen Ty Lue insert a lot of uh, Kobe Brown. I mean, maybe particularly in the last game when they play Sacramento. So maybe that could be, you know, uh, taking a lot of PJ's minutes potentially. But it's it's unfortunate because you know this is a this is a team that is in win now mode, especially when you have four All Stars. You know, you got two guys who have won an MVP award. You got a guy who is a multiple time champion, and you got another All Star caliber player. Like you would think, like okay, you know, we're gonna make sure that we're veteran savvy. You know, we're gonna play all of our vets, especially, especially the guys who understand what it takes to win at a high level. But it just hasn't turned out that way, at least for PJ, at least from PJ's perspective. So I don't know if it's something that's going on on the court. I don't know if there's something going on off the court. But I still feel like at least I'm I'm a PJ I'm a PJ Tucker fan. I still think that he's very very valuable in the NBA. So you know, if he doesn't find his way into the rotation under Ty Lue, then I could definitely see him possibly being moved soon. Maybe not during a trade deadline, but definitely after this season, maybe. Right. And honestly, I don't really know exactly where he would go to, but, I mean, there's always a contender out there that could use a P.J. Tucker, man. You know, right. that's what's so crazy about the Clippers. It's going to be one day they might find that they they need P.J. Tucker, man. <laughs> For real. That's a fact. They that's a fact. By a three. And they're like, boy, I wish we had an extra defender out here. <laughs> I mean, I definitely agree. I mean, it's like I said, man, you know, I mean, I think – and, I, you know, I get it. You know, he's not necessarily the more consistent score on offense. You know, he can knock down catch and shoots, but it's not on a consistent basis. But what he, what he provides defensively I think could be a huge lift for this Clippers team. But – who knows? You know what I'm saying? Maybe this is just something that's temporary. Maybe Ty Lue might implement him in the rotation, but, you know, who knows? But let me ask you this real quick. So with this recent success that, that the Clippers have had, do you possibly see them emerging as one of the favorites out of the West? Ooh, 
I will say it's hard to discount a team with four Hall of Famers on it, man, to be honest yeah. with you. So it's like I wouldn't, especially because the way uh, a couple of these young teams are playing, like OKC in, in Minnesota, uh, well, when Anthony, Dave, I mean, Anthony Edwards gets back. But, um, I mean, so I, I really can't – I don't want to say – per se, that they're going to just beat the young teams. But that's also what's going to carry them over the young teams, probably in the playoffs if it ever came down to it. That playoff experience, you know, it really does really does matter, especially if, if, if they say they find themselves going against, you know, uh, say it was the Timberwolves. You know, the Timberwolves go down like 3-1. You know, the, the Wolves might be a little bit too young to actually – I mean, maybe not the Wolves now, but so I probably said the Thunder actually. But, you know, the Thunder might be a little bit too young to actually shake back how you would want them to shake back and like, oh man. But at the same time, you, you get yourself a team like the Clippers. You know, they get themselves in that position and they down 3-1 to a to a young team. You you're gonna have a little bit of confidence. I'm like, all right, they might be able to might be able to pull something through. I mean, so I will say I, I hope I, mean, I hope for the best for that team, honestly, because I mean they got a few guys I like over there for real. Uh, I like because I like Norman Powell a lot, honestly. I mean <laughs> I love his game is, is a grift. But at the same time, though, I, I like I like guys who make impacts on both sides of the ball. You feel me? And the Clippers got a lot of those guys. So, if you ask me, I definitely think that the Clippers will continue to get better. Um, they they've shown it over these last few weeks, and I think that as the season progresses, I think that they can only get better. I mean, I'll be real. Actually, take that back. I think that, you know, they're going to have their ups and downs as the season progresses, but I still feel like, you know, they'll be able to make the playoffs. However, do I have them being one of the favorites out of the Western Conference? I might have to say no, just because I feel like when it comes down to that playoff time, number one thing is obviously health. You know what I'm saying? We got to make sure everybody's healthy. A lot of these guys on the team are injury prone. Kawhi Leonard's injury prone. Paul George is injury prone. James Harden's injury prone. So that's three of your four future Hall of Famers on the team that's injury prone and can go down at any time. Because even last year, the Clippers stole game one. Kawhi had like 38, I believe. Next, you know, he's out for the rest of the series. They go 1 0, and the next, you know, they, they, lose the, they lose the last four games because there's no Kawhi Leonard. So that definitely does play a factor. And on top of that, I feel like chemistry wise, I think a lot of teams will be better. So, and I'm not, I'm not guaranteeing that because obviously, you know, when you look at the firepower of this Clipper team, they should be able to compete against anybody. But I don't know if I can book them to beat Sacramento in the playoffs. I mean, I know, I know that they beat. Sacramento last night, you know, in a 20 point win, and they were up to like damn near like a little over 30 points. But you know, it's different when it comes to a seven game series. So that's something that I also want to take into uh, consideration as well. Not saying that the Clippers can't do it, but I just think that possibly when it comes to playoff time, I think that a lot of teams will be better prepared than what they will be. And that's and you know, and it's hard to say because Ty Lue is an exception is an exceptional coach, and Ty Lue will always have a team prepared. But I just think that other teams will probably be more prepared. During the postseason, honestly, I can see, I can see that too, man. And but I will say, uh, I saw during the offseason that Talu has said uh, he was saying some real good things during the offseason about uh, making sure they take the regular season seriously, so that when the playoffs come around, that they will be more prepared than they have been in years past. So hopefully, you know, what I'm saying, and I will say, it does seem like the Clippers are less inclined to just sit their stars out than in, in the season past. So. Hopefully that is something that translates down the line. What seed do you think they're finishing? Mm. I ain't gonna lie, I might give them only like a uh, I'd probably give them like fifth, sixth seed, you know what I mean? Yeah, like, I because 
I don't see I don't see OKC losing momentum. I don't really see the Timberwolves losing momentum for real. Uh, so I think I don't think they'll be any worse than top four for real. Uh, the Lakers are what are they six right now? But it's like they haven't had a healthy team, so I think they could they could possibly you know maybe rank up a really like fifth. Maybe they could get to top four maybe, but I don't really see them being like top two or nothing like that. But so I think the Clippers be somewhere around where the Lakers are, but only because you know I think the Clippers have more talent uh, or more star talent at least at the very least. I don't think they have enough as much depth. Um, I think the thing with the Clippers, you know, is just they got to that slower start than the Lakers. Lakers, Lakers. I mean, they ain't got to you know uh, like a world beating start, but they they they've been playing pretty well. You know, they lost a couple games here and there. They ain't gonna string them together, but you know they ain't getting off to no no terrible start though. So I think that's what's going to hold Clippers back. I agree. I think five six is fair. Uh, I don't. I don't. I don't see them being any of like one of the top contenders in the West. I don't see them being in the same conversation as like a Denver, right? Even like you know what what Minnesota's doing, and then of course you mentioned OKC as well. But five to six is probably fair for this team if they can just continue to build that chemistry on the court and figure out ways to win. I can definitely see it happen. Yeah, you know. It's funny because I ain't gonna lie, I almost forgot to mention Denver, but Denver, they top three, uh, and they haven't had Jamal Murray really. Damn, they haven't even really hit the stride yet this year. Right. That's what it sounds like. So they're another team where they might be behind a team like you know the Thunder of Minnesota now, but I could see them catching catching, you know, catching a stride and especially if a you know, unfortunately, you know, I don't like to speak on things like this because I don't want to speak in existence, but if an injury did happen to a player from the Thunder or Timberwolves as these things happen. You know, I can see the Nuggets quickly rising up. That's a fact. I can see it as well. So one last question before we get out of here, man. I want to know, like, as far as three players, who do you have as your MVP favorites right now? We're not going to do top five. We're going to do the top three. Ooh. Well, top top right now might have to be Halliburton, bro. Um, Talk about it. Because he's – it's not even – just because he, you know, he's getting more hype, more popular. It's like, bro's putting up MVP numbers for real. Uh, I'm about to say, I'm about to look. Last month, check, he was averaging like 10 more points than the next highest score on the team. Let me see. He averaging, yes, he's averaging 26.3 points per game. The next highest average is Miles Turner at 17.4. And this is, in, you know, not even factoring in. In fact, Halley is averaging, you know, 12.3 assists a game. So, you know, he's producing a lot of points over there. You know what I mean? And so, on top of that, the team is winning. Yeah, I was like, they're winning. They're they're getting more popular. Like, yeah, let me see. They're thirteen and eight, fifth in the East last season. They was thirty five and forty seven. So they, you know, it's a completely different team. A under five hundred team to an above five hundred team. And they were, and they were eleventh in the East by the way last year. So yeah, you know, Tyrese is definitely doing some MVP things, bro. Um, I have I had Anthony Edwards in the conversation. All I got to say, I still have him in the conversation. But top three ish, uh, more than anything. But you know, I could hear I could hear some other names, but. If not him, you know what I'm saying, I definitely will always have SGA up there because I think the last two seasons that man has really – he 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 took the Halley step before Halley. You know, not, he ain't the same player, of course. It's just, right. you know, he got real popular last year. People started, like, noticing what he could do. And I like the fact that he's, like, a real crappy scorer, man. I, I, I like I like watching him play. He, he's, he's really fun. No, he's that. nice. Yeah, Bro, right. I, I've, I've been a fan of him since his uh, early days with the Clippers. Like, you know, yeah. like when, I, when I saw him in that um, in that series against Golden State in, 20, in 2019, I was like, oh, yeah, this guy's special. You see, you know what I mean? And, like, 
SGA is one of them players I wish I'd have been up on game on him a little bit earlier. But I wasn't up on game with him when he was with the Clippers. Like, you know, I might have seen the flashes, but I wasn't really thinking he was going to be, you know, saying anything particularly special. But right. now, Brett has turned out to be that guy. <laughs> For real. And I would say, as far as numbers go, he's another guy, like, with the Hallis situation. Uh, let me see, because I'm about to just pull up some numbers real quick here. Uh, SGA is averaging 30.4 points a game uh, and 6.2 assists per game. Also averaging 2.8 assists per game, bro. And uh, but the next highest average, you know, what I'm saying is a uh, Jalen Williams. Uh, shout out to Jay Dub because bro, you know, he ain't really getting this talked about as he was last year. Jay Dub, yeah, but he averaging, you know, 12 13 points higher than the next guy on his team. So, you know, between Halley and SGA, I think that you know, I think one of those guys really will come out to win MVP for real, for real. And I think that'd be great for the league because we always talk about a Giannis. Uh, I mean, Jock is Joker is now Joker is now in the conversation. Uh, as a LeBron fan, I know there's always going to be a large contingent of people who want people of, you know what I'm saying, the legends in the game are always going to have those guys that want them to win MVP. Kevin Durant got fans that want him to win MVP, I'm sure. You know what I mean? Right. So, <laughs> but, I, you know, I feel like... Well, right, exactly. But if you got, you know what I'm saying, you get a guy like Halley or SJ winning MVP, I don't think there's anybody that's going to be saying anything negative about them, bro. Like I feel like the whole the whole league is gonna be like that's dope, and then this uh, the next generation of fans gonna see like, oh dang, we got a you know what I'm saying we got a guy, we got a guy, and I, I think that's gonna be great for the league, bro. I definitely agree with your list. Um, Hall- I mean, I I mentioned it the past few weeks. Halliburton's got to be in the MVP list. You know, when you talk about be. the the turnaround that Indiana has had. Um, I know that I know that they have some great contributing pieces, but this team is nowhere near where they are right now without the impact of Tyree Taliburton. And I've, I've been saying, you know, I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm pretty much reiterating what I said in my last episode was he deserved to be a franchise guy or a starting point guard in the NBA. And I think now that he has his opportunity, he's ran away with it. Running away. And, you know, I'm really, really happy to see, you know, where he's going. Um, Taliburton is one of them. Another guy I'm going to put in, I'm going to put Luka Doncic in that list, man, because I've been really, really impressed with what Luka has been doing. Um, I was watching him last night when they when they faced the Lakers and how he was just able to take over. I don't know. Lucas kind of had like a different chip on his shoulder this year. I don't know what it is. I don't know. Maybe because, you know, he's upset because when you talk about a lot of like the top international guys in the league, you know, it's always Embiid, it's Jokic, and it's Giannis. Lucas, right. not not saying that Lucas not on that list, but it's like it's always kind of stops at, their, at, at that three as far as he like did get overshadowed a little bit. Exactly. And that's and I and I think that may be part of the reason why Lucas came into came into the season with a, with a chip on his shoulder. I mean, right. earlier this season we saw what he did against the Clippers. But by the way, I mean we all know that he we all know that he he absolutely hates the Clippers. But I'll be real, man. I've been really really impressed with what Lucas has really done this year, man. And I think that he's only going to get better. I mean, I'll be real. You, coming into his career, I I did I, I had already predicted to win multiple MVPs. So if this could possibly be the first year for him to get it, you know, I'll be happy with that. And then the last guy I'll have to say, I'll probably have to say Tatum. I like what he's been doing. Uh, Boston's one of the best teams in the NBA right now. So, you know, at the top of the East somehow. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, you know, Jason Tatum continues to show us why he's one of the best scorers in the NBA. And I think that, you know, this season is definitely no different. But now my guy quit. And I appreciate you for coming on, man. You know, this is the third time, third time's a charm, man. Definitely let the people know where to find you, where to find your upcoming work and everything else. 
Oh, yeah, man. You can find me on NBA QSA uh, and then Q Sharon Alberti. That's his first initial middle name, last name. Um, and uh, I'm doing a little bit more work with my own uh, publication lately, uh, Empire Media. Uh, so be on the lookout for some of that. Uh, hoping to bring y'all some exclusive stuff, man. And, uh, you know, the indie, the indie artist is winning right now, man. So, hey, shout out to us. Shout out to Empire Media. Make sure to check that out, man. I would definitely leave that link to check it out in the description of this episode. Make sure to follow the podcast on Twitter or X or whatever you want to call it. I love the TGB ball. Follow myself and Nick Andre ATR. Appreciate all the, all the love and the feedback that you guys are giving me. Make sure to check out the old episodes, man, or the um, or the old episodes before them. And, you know, I think you got some good content there, man. And until next time, you guys, deuces. Deuces.